Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Our friends at Musician are back because they want you and I want you to learn the music that matters to you the most with the Musician app. They have some of today's top songs and classic hits that you want to learn. If you want to start playing guitar, piano, ukulele, or bass, it's easier than ever to learn your favorite music. Become the musician you've always wanted to be. Try Musician at musician.com slash words and you will be able to dive in with a 20% discount using the code words love this app so much thank you musician hello everybody how are you i'm ray harkins we are hanging out talking about music most specifically punk hardcore independent minded music Today is no exception to that rule because I would be breaking my very own rule and that would be not something I like to do. So we got an old friend of the show and an old friend of mine, Mike Minnick. He's a vocalist for Curl Up and Die, who have recently announced they are doing a reunion show and more stuff ahead. It's very exciting because one of my closest friends and allies in general has been Mike and the rest of his band as well. And, uh, I mean, this is his third appearance on this show, so it goes to show, uh, how much I enjoy speaking with him, not only in the podcast, but as a human to human, you know, phone conversation sort of thing. But, um, you know, well, hold on, just let's get some, let's get some stuff off of my mind into your head. And then hopefully you'll have a reaction to it in some capacity and you'll email me 100 words podcast at gmail.com. So first off, rockabilia.com, use the code PCJabberJaw for 10% off your order. They have everything you could possibly ever want from a band merchandise perspective. They they won't have curl up and die merchandise because uh, they don't have any merch really that exists right now, but they have everything else from, you know, Mastodon to Queens of the Stone Age, whatever you want, dive in there. You will get 10% off your order by using that code PCJabberJaw. Fast shipping, totally reliable customer service a plethora of choices, all officially licensed bands get paid. It's the real deal. Don't order stuff off Amazon or eBay. I've made the mistake before. Granted, this was many, many years ago before rockabilia. Um, really, I mean, they've existed in my life, but I just didn't, I didn't know better. And I ordered something from somewhere else and it was terrible. So rockabilia.com. Thank you very much for their continued support as usual of this show. And I went to a show over the weekend and it was spectacular. It was page 99 majority rule, uh, hers collective and portrayal of guilt. It was a uh, absolute banger of a show. As the kids say, the, the show slapped or slaps, right? Isn't that what kids say? But, uh, you know, in full, just abundant disclosure, like I majority rule is a huge band for me. Page 99. I enjoyed, I, I, but stack those two up. And if I had to push one off of a bridge, I would push page 99 off a bridge. Like that is, it shows 
no, uh, no, no, I'm not selling page 99 short because they're an incredible band and I really enjoyed them, but majority rule was huge for me. So I was very excited about this show and, uh, oh my gosh, it delivered in spades, uh, portrayal guilt. If you haven't listened to them, holy crap, you are missing out completely. I've spoken about them. We actually spoke about them on the year end podcast because, uh, Jeremy, uh, I want to say he, he put their record on his top 10 list. Um, it narrowly missed mine, but there was no real rhyme or reason behind that other than I just didn't listen to it as much as the others I put on there. But, and Matt, the vocalist and guitarist songwriter, dude, he's going to be on the show at some point, but portrayal guilt Slade. I had never call me ignorant, but I had never seen or heard of hers collective and holy crap it was amazing they had a huge wall of amps uh, a lot of you know basically sampled drums sampled uh bass guitar live guitarist live vocalist and from what i understand it's a collective like they're you know there's like nine hundred and fifty thousand members like anybody can you know join the band at some point when they uh you know are not able to play all the shows or whatever but it was so good they had you know, use some Madonna samples, some Cindy Lauper samples. And like, basically it was like super, super aggressive, like power violence over the top, hardcore uh, intermixed with like dance parties and, uh, all with a trans lens on their lyrics and just the, their approach. It was so good. I love the band. And then majority rule played Holy crap. So good. You need to see like just a, one of the most powerful three piece bands I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, it was, it was spectacular. And I stuck around for page 99, really, really good as well. People enjoyed them. Um, I just, you know, stood in the back of the room and watched and enjoyed it. So anyways, show reviews, the Ray Harkins, right? <laughs> anyways, Mike Middick. Well, first of all, if you are in the Southern California area and you do not have a ticket for the show on June 22nd with curl up and die and taken, you need to get on that. Okay. Cause tickets, I mean, people warn you all the time. Oh, tickets are selling fast or whatever. I've heard the exact numbers and like there's less than 50 tech- tickets left for this thing. So please go do that. Okay. Cause it's going to be a spectacular show and it'll be super fun. So, but anyways, I wanted to have Mike on because, uh, curl up and die has, they, they like a, they, just a huge spot in my heart. I, you know, have spent a ton of time on the road with them, not only like just as a friend hanging out with them on the road, but then we toured together, uh, a ton back in the day, early two thousands. And, um, I wanted to get in Mike's head for the reunion stuff. Like I knew a lot of the moving pieces that, uh, you know, kind of put this into play and, you know, all of the, it it wasn't drama, but just like they'd tried to do this a few times before and just, just did not come to fruition. But I was really excited to have Mike on. So that's what we're doing. We're talking about, uh, the band and reunions and all that other stuff. Legacy, fun, fun chat. So here we go. Here's Mike. And I will talk to you after the episode. Okay. Yeah, so the, I I was very excited when you told me that you were going to be actually making this happen after so many years of trying to make this happen with you, and then you tried to make this happen on your own, and it's it's exciting. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. It's it's weird that it's actually happening because, like you know, and closer friends of ours know that me and Matt would get together and talk about this and try to work it out. Uh, and we've tried it a few times and it hasn't happened. And one time it, even we were supposed to play like a rev, yeah, the uh, New York Revel- city show, right? Yeah. We were in talks to do that show. If we could find a drummer, 
but uh, during that process, we got announced on the show <laughs> before everything was like set. It was just like a miscommunication. Yeah. So then we kind of reunited before, even though it was not true at all. Right. And uh, you, but yeah, if I remember, if I remember correctly, like you, you, you were pretty, I guess, I mean, not maybe the word embarrassed is like an overstatement, but you, you kind of felt, you, you felt a way about it. We we're like, Oh man, like this sucks. Yeah, just annoyed. I also don't like doing the thing where you say a thing before it exists. Sure. Uh, so while working on this and trying to get it figured out, anytime anyone would be like, is quad going to happen again? I'd be like, no, probably not. Or I'd be like, if we find a drummer, we would love to. But otherwise, I would never tell anybody how close it got before in the past. <laughs> that's true uh, yeah because <laughs> it uh, like i mean i think everybody falls victim to this when it's like something that you're like super excited about and the moment that you know I, we probably learned this as like little kids where like you're so excited about the thing and then you say the thing and then the thing doesn't happen and then you're just like oh crap i feel like an idiot even if you shared it to like you know your best friend and like that's it you still are like oh it didn't happen dude yeah, or it's it's maybe even a little bit of superstition, like you're going to jinx it. But I, I also think about, like, as growing up in Vegas, a lot of people are trying to get out of here. Or they're just like, it's the worst place to live. And they're half right. But they're always like, yeah, I'm, I'm moving to California next year. I'm getting out, man. I'm getting out. Like, that's a thing people do. Or, oh, I'm like, our band's doing this the next thing. Or, oh, I'm writing this book now. Like, people say things to pump themselves up to, like, follow through with the steps they need to do to achieve the goal. But a lot of people do that and just say the thing and never do it. And it's a little embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Especially when you have the, you know, I mean, it's not like when both of our bands were playing in the, you know, late nineties, early two thousands that we had any ambitions beyond just like signing a record label and, you know, doing some tours and like putting out some records. But there is that, you did feel like even though the thing wasn't, you know, like financially stable, you still felt like there was an element of, you know, getting out in ways that your peers weren't. Yeah, for sure. Like, for example, my sister and I are pretty much opposites and we will sometimes look at each other's lives uh, and see the grass is greener or that sort of thing, because I didn't go through with school. I never really stuck to a job for too long. Uh, I just, I just toured a band and I traveled and everyone would be like, Oh, like you, you must've like, you must know so much about the world or have experience from that. And I think it's probably true. But then on the other hand, I'm always like, damn, I'm so unstable compared to my sister who like has a kid, a job, career, college, house, car, like she has all that stuff and we're just completely different. So yeah, I don't know. Like I felt like that was the biggest experience I got from the band. Sure. The experience of traveling around and being more independent, maybe, and not needing to go down like a not having hit those like steps along the way for uh, average sort of normal. I guess safe is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like stable, stable. Yeah, I never hit any of those the life goalposts that you're supposed to if you read about it in like a manual. Yeah, (laughs) well, the way that it gets presented to you, because I think that. It, I mean, you always, there is that natural human instinct to compare, uh, you know, your, yourself to either, you know, family, friends or whatever. Um, but then, I mean, I do think it, it comes down to like what your own personal, I guess, you know, tolerance, 
uh, desire for having that. Um, like the, you know, everybody wants to be stable and like, it's not like you're so incredibly unstable, Mike, that you're like, you know, living on the streets, like, you, you know, you, you, you can put two and two together, but there is that element of like, Oh, I wish I was like, quote unquote, farther along. If I followed through on these sort of, you know, th- this path or whatever, but uh, you know, there, everybody that's on the other side of that is like, Oh man, I wish I could have lived that nomadic lifestyle and like seen all those things. And you're like, Oh yeah, that is pretty cool. I collect a lot of experiences. Other people didn't. Yeah. You still have to be smart about it. Sure. You can't just like, uh, either way. And then, yeah, the, the, like sometimes the freedom can feel, uh, as, as, uh, confined, confining as, uh, as having structure. Right. But anyway, yeah, that's like the main thing about a band. It's cool. We never had, a, we never thought like we'd get big or there'd be uh, record deals and that would be our career make money off of it. I mean, we were just kids playing music and it was super fun and we just kept doing it uh, as long as we could. Yeah. How does it, um, cause I, I, I mean, you know, we're, we're both speaking from the direct experience of having our bands resurrected and, you know, playing shows and doing all this. I mean, you obviously are more, you know, recent in this, this, uh, ecosystem, but, and even to an extent, like maybe towards the end of, you know, curl up and die playing shows and stuff like that. Was it, um, I guess, is it weird to, to look at, at the thing and be like, Oh, there is like a legacy behind this, even though the legacy, you know, it's not like you're Mark Twain or something like when I use the word legacy, like how does it, how does it kind of reflect in your head besides it feeling super weird? Uh, super weird. Yes. I didn't realize that we have been broken up longer than we were a band. <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's, that's how much time it passed by. Yeah. So that was weird. I don't, I don't, I don't care about legacy, I guess. Not that there's much of a curl and I legacy. So I guess maybe that's, it's surprising when anyone compliments the band or talks about its existence outside of a, outside of what's already in my brain or the brain of the band or what's when someone takes it, you know, like, uh, yeah, just like the response, just people having stories of their own that they witnessed and saw. I'm I'm like surprised by that, even though that's obviously what occurs when bands play and there's people at shows and you put out records and they listen to it. It's not just in your head or, uh, you know what I mean? It's not, it's bigger than, than you. You almost release it. Right. Uh, you know, and so I don't like when we broke up, it, it was good that we broke up when we did, but we couldn't we couldn't get along and people were moving in different directions. Sure. Sure. And I even think reuniting now, instead of maybe, uh, when we had tried in the past is, is like a better time. Sure. Matt and I are, uh, uh, pretty close again. We've always been close, but you know, like we talk more frequently and interact and, and that sort of thing. I also, on the other hand, don't like, I have a problem with, nostalgia or reminiscing unless it's about like fun goofy stuff mm-hmm. like i never like want to reminisce about something feeling important even if i do think curl and die is important to me you know what i mean like yeah like i almost am afraid of that like i'm weary of like the nostalgia thing uh like of course we're gonna play older songs of a band that's from the from the past but i'm like i want to hit the ground like we just like it's a continuation of the, our last record, like mm-hmm. what we would have done next. 
Yeah. Oh no, it's very. Um, I think just be, I mean because this this music zine has existed for a long enough period of time where it's like you, you, people have the space to be nostalgic, you know. <laughs> people have the, yeah. the not only when you're talking about you know like '80s bands can be nostalgic and like you know '90s bands and '2000s bands or whatever, um, but yeah, you do run into the that feeling, especially too, because like you know, let's be honest, like you know, neither uh, of our bands were. Um, you know, like big by any stretch of the imagination. Like none, none, none of us like cracked through in ways that like, Oh yes, of course, of course we we have a legacy or whatever, <laughs> but like to have the, the, as small of an impact as we did sort of larger in, in the larger cultural uh, perspective it, it, to your point, there were people that went to shows, like even if it's 40 people, it's like, you know, those five, you know, five of those people who were like super fans of curl up and I were, you know, changed because, you know, we played a show together in South Carolina or whatever, but like, it's so hard to, to like conceptualize that it, it, without feeling like you are just serving some sort of, you know, nostalgia monster or whatever. Yeah. It's just, I don't even, I, the amount of people, that have talked about reunions with us involved or like people from fest that have like a few have asked us and Oh, like how much money you're going to need. And like, it's like a payout or we're doing this just to like make a quick bit of cash, which some bands that you reunite reunite do. I'm like, no, that's never been the thing. And that's definitely not the thing now. And how would that even be possible? Right. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be a good cash grab. Yeah. You'd be like, I could do it once and that's probably it. And it's not like that cash would be anything. What you want to talk about? Like a thousand dollars. Like <laughs> this isn't a lot. Yeah. It's like, so yeah, we're like, we just want to keep it simple and fun for us. Cause we like doing it. And if other people enjoy it, that's, that's, that's the point. And that's, that's very, it's very cool. Uh, to get to experience that and have people interested in it. Like I feel lucky for that. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely not why I yell in a band. <laughs> like, yeah. They want people to like me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, you've never, that's never been your, your, your mode of operation. Like, Oh man, I can't, I can't wait to be the singer of the band. So people pay attention to me. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I'm getting nervous. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like when Matt and I were talking about it, like, what would we do if we started a band, if we started Chrome and Die now without any, like, I think a lot of bands, when they reunite, they, it's hard not to like have your history or like use it even subconsciously, you know, like what records you've done, like how they've been like your ups and downs, how you interact with each other after all this time together. But we were like, what if we started the band like we did when we were in high school now, like how would we do it? We would be just trying to play like small hardcore shows and do exactly what we want. Like not worry about like, uh, like will people like this? Will, will we be covered if we do this show? We'll be okay. Would this be the smartest show to be on because more people would be in it? You know, like you start like doing that sort of strategic thing. Once you're like, once bands sort of, have to you know like do the best with the amount of time they have you know strategically like especially if it's their job sure or even a part-time job and this is mean it can't be fun but 
you know what I'm saying? Like we were just like, what if we were like kids doing a band again? And it was Chrome and die. Like, let's do it that way. So it's not going to be us trying to like play a bigger room that we can't fill just so we make a little bit more money. It's like, let's just play small rooms, have fun, play bands. We like write songs. We like, like just simple as that. Yeah, sure. And, and I think, I mean, I know that you've experienced this where, you know, when you go to shows from bands that, uh, you know, you're excited to see or, you know, reuniting or putting out a new record and the feeling that I think, like, I, I actually distinctly remember this, like when you guys played those shows with coalesce, like out here in California. And I remember I physically, I, I did not like, I think it was one of the only times that you guys played in Southern California that like, I did not go to the show because I was actively worried about coalesce, like sucking. <laughs> And, and I, oh really? Yeah, I just yeah. I remember. I think you guys played the Troubadour with them, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, but yeah, yeah, no, that's right. I remember. Yeah, the but, two, it was like a two day thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I just like the feeling that you want in the room when you have those uh, events is that you want it to feel, um, you know, whatever exciting, special, whatever adjective you want to put on it is where it's like the people that are there are there. It's like it doesn't matter if there's. 50 or if there's a hundred people or if there's a thousand, you know, you just want it to feel like harness that, that specialness or that energy. And I, I think that, um, yeah, you, you know, you approaching it like you did is not only safe from like a personal well being perspective, but then just also, um, lo- looking to it to be a more, uh, I guess, sustainable thing for whatever you decide to do next, as opposed to like, all right, we got to make this as big as possible, as quickly as possible. <laughs> Yeah. I guess that goes back to your legacy question too. And it's like, you don't want to tarnish that by coming back and being not good or not being as good as you used to be, or, or maybe being old and not having the same energy. You know, you see some bands like people trying to play and you like, they have not played a show in a decade or, or more. And it kind of, it kind of can ruin that, uh, or affect it a little bit. Yeah. I kind of don't care about that. Like if we, if we played and it sucked, it wouldn't, I want to be like, well, now the Chrome Die Legacy is done, whatever that is, if it even exists at all. Uh, I will say I would be a little more nervous and worried about that, though. But like if I was jumping from when Chrome and I broke up to going into this this first show, I'd be a little nervous and maybe running a little more than I should and working out to make sure I wasn't like running out of breath after like two songs. Sure, sure. (laughs) Like you see some older bands do, but because of lessar and other music stuff in between i've I've been able to be like okay i'm comfortable yeah this will be fine yeah you know what you're doing because yeah i i to your point i remember i think it was uh you know unbroken undertow i saw them at the i think it was the glass house in like 2009 i want to say so like unbroken had been back and they played some shows um and undertow had played a few shows but not as many as unbroken but the distinct difference, and like this is no slight against you know Dave Claiborne from Unbroken. It's not like he's a bad frontman, but John Pettibone clearly like played in Hibsa for you know like he played. In, yeah, yeah, like, he's like still been totally. And then like he got up there, and it was one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh! Like even though Unbroken is by far more more favorite in my eyes than uh, Undertow was, Undertow just like stole that show because of your point where it was just like, oh yeah, like John had continued to play in bands, and yeah, it wasn't as active as undertow was or whatever well no i mean that's not true because himso was very active but um yeah he just he, he felt he felt comfortable going on stage right away and like he, the same way that you're gonna get up there and not be like you'll have that nervous energy you always do but not to the extent of where you're like 
I don't even know what to do with this thing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, I love, that's the thing I love that I know. Uh, like once, like basically my favorite thing about performing this is kind of a side from that, but is I'm always second guessing decisions and overthinking everything. And then once you start playing a show, that's like the one place I know where I'm like, Oh, I can't, I like can't second guess myself. It's just almost autopilot and you don't know what's going on. Sure. Like I love that where I don't, they might be like, Oh, try to avoid like the water on the floor there. Like it's just like, a, this is like, doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, or it's like a split second thought, but you just take the, there's like a split second thought and you have two roads you can go down and you have to choose one. So you do, cause you're playing a show. Like there's a whole thing happening. People are there. Uh, there's a song that you have to stay in time with. I like that. Otherwise, if I was sitting around being like, Oh, I don't know. Should I sing this song right now in my room? I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. <laughs> yeah. It's like a survival, it's like a survival, uh, instinct, even though you're not, you're not surviving out there. You're just like reacting to the stuff that's like right in front of you. Yeah. And I thrive on that, even though it's always going to be uncomfortable leading up to it. Cause then you have no choice to, t- you can't turn back. Uh, true. Yeah. Once that, you're up there, that makes any sense. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. I just like the preparation of it. Like it's a, like it's a fight. I haven't been in a fight in a long time. So I'm tiny, <laughs> uh, and not violent. Uh, but to prepare for one, like a Rocky montage is great. Yeah. Like set it up and yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. To the point of like, you still want to be out. I, I still, now that I'm an older guy, I want to be an older guy that people don't go, ah, oh, he's an older guy. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, inevitably that is going to happen to a certain extent. Um, but not to the point of where it's like, like you don't look like you should like belong up there in some capacity, you know, like, I mean, everybody can age gracefully in whatever it is that they're doing. Um, but yeah, not to a point where it's just like, Oh yeah. Like you haven't, you haven't problems like moving like physically. (laughs) Yeah. So when, um, you know, as you were starting to, you had these kind of, you know, I don't even want to call them false starts because it's not like they had advanced far enough to where, uh, like you said, everything was being shared publicly and people were asking you about it and talking about it and stuff like that. Um, I'm sure like there's elements of when you were playing with less art, which is a completely different thing, completely different vibe. I mean, not completely, but yet yeah, like <laughs> very different. It's pretty vibe. different. Yeah. So yeah. like, were there elements of like when you were putting, uh, you know, songs together, practicing with them and, you know, kind of feeling very reminiscent of what you had done previously with curl up and die, or were they just kind of like two completely separate experiences that you really didn't draw from beyond the fact that you were making loud music? No, yeah, like pretty. I mean, they they are. It's the same thing, but they're way different. Like, uh, it's still the same starting point. And I'm, so, like, the performance is the same. Like performing live, which is like that whole energy and that preparation is the same. But as far as writing, it's it's so different. The one thing I would do is when writing the last art songs, I was like, oh, I wish. I would have felt this comfortable and somewhat skilled like I do now at crafting songs with a band that I, that I did when I first started Cobra Nine, which is of course not going to be the case because I was a kid. I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> and you had to figure it out along the way, you know? Sure. 
like I hadn't like the first time we practiced with like me, Matt and kill, uh, the, the drummer that we're playing with, uh, it was the first time I'd sang old Curl and I songs and had to like, look at the lyrics again and read them. <laughs> right. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, I was like, it, it sounds like someone just huffed a bunch of gold paint real quick and wrote down their thoughts real fast. Right. <laughs> I was very critical of my earlier self. Sure. Uh, but it was also fun at the same time. I was like, oh, this is, this is fun. This is goofy. Uh, so that, uh, I also, yeah, you just like, it's, it's, they're just too different, but they do feed off of each other. Now I'm realizing like the same way when I did Puig Destroyer that led into less art, Puig Destroyer a lot. I think I've said this before, but it allowed me to not overthink songs so much. Cause they're just goofy baseball songs. And then you're still going to overthink. I do anyway. I'm going to still overthink writing and trying to figure out parts. But if you could just, at least I had the experience of Puig Destroyer knowing like, Oh, overthinking can sometimes get in the way. Just do like an idea and be feel confident and good about it. Uh, and now that's, that led into less art and now the less art stuff's starting to feed into how I'm approaching like curl and eye stuff again. Sure. Even though it's, it's completely different. It's like faster, uh, way more screening and chaotic. Hey, we have a new sponsor slash friend of the show and that is Sirius XM. You probably have like maybe heard of it. You're like, Oh, it's that thing they gave you for free when you, you buy a new car. They are the real deal because they offer the deepest variety of commercial free music for every genre and for every mood possible. And a lot of people do think that you need a car in order to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen to outside of the car. So right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com slash words to see their offer details and to subscribe. Dude, $1 and you can listen to SiriusXM on your phone at home and online. I love SiriusXM. I've been a subscriber for quite some time, uh, partially because I was like, you know, big Howard Stern fan. But then once I dove into their music offerings, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So anywhere you are, any time of the day, you can hear your favorite songs or discover new ones. So go to Sirius, I'll spell it for you, S-I-R-I-U-S-X-M.com slash words, and you get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for $1 course you gotta check out the offer details and the offer is available to new sirius xm streaming subscribers sirius xm no car required now on with the show was the um like i know i was joking around with with uh, adam who's obviously you know helping put together the reunion show and stuff like that and the the joke was that like you know obviously once this goes to lamb goat and seeing people comment on like how curl up and die was irrelevant band and it should be you know they should stay dead um (laughs) the the, i'm sure in many respects it was just comical for you to look at people's uh reactions both positive and negative like you saying people sharing their their memories and in you know uh about the band but then on the flip side the people who you know post anonymously uh, about why the band is terrible and stuff like that. I'm sure both sides were extremely funny for you to witness and watch. Yeah, I always assume I saw some of the lamb goat stuff uh, when it was first posted. Uh, I don't, I don't mind that. I don't know why. I always assume it's just one guy posting all of them. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, just one and like collective and voice, kind of like yelling at himself. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like that's how the internet is in general. They're just 
like, like you could do that on Twitter. If people have, if there's enough eyes on something that people want to troll. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't like when people are very complimentary and tell me stuff, I appreciate it, but I also, it's not that I don't believe it. It's just that I, it's, I sh- it doesn't matter if I do or not. Like I almost can't. And then the negative stuff, I can't believe I can't put too much into that either. While even some of it can, the stuff that does sting occasionally is mostly just stuff I think about myself. It wasn't even that the person was the best or the funniest. It's the one that like probably no one notices. And I'm like, yeah, he's kind of true. It's kind of a point has a point. I think about that a lot. Uh, you, you know, I don't know. You like, like I'm a person and then I do a music thing. The music thing is completely separate for me as a person. So I, I don't know, man. You have to just stay in the middle. You know, like Mario and Mario Brothers. Of course. You know how, like if you're doing, all right, like so you're doing Mario Kart. You got like Bowser. He's got all the power, but he's very slow. You got Yoshi, super fast, but he's got no power. Mario, straight even stats across the board. That's how you should be with your mindset. Right. <laughs> That's how I am anyway. Yeah. Mario. Right. It's a, yeah. Can't you can't get too down. Can't get too excited about what people, the positive and negative stuff. Yeah, you just, just focus and work. It is. It, no, it, it's it's true. It's. I mean, it's hard to do that, but it definitely. You kind of you look at it as like this this you know uh, this cauldron where it's just like yeah you're pouring the positive you're pouring the negative and then like when you mix it all up together it should you know kind of like they're both polar opposite sides are kind of neutralizing each other and then it gets this like kind of you know even mix hopefully as long as it's not like you know. 97.7% negative and like only 3% positive, then you might be, you know, a little tone deaf or whatever and be like, Oh yeah, of course my band's the most important thing ever. Even though everyone's yelling at you that it's not like, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, I mean, granted, yes, on the internet, you're always going to have more negative than positive. Um, but I mean, all, I mean, all the thoughts that I saw shared around it were definitely, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was, I think it was just, you know, it, excitement of the idea that it's just like, Oh yes, like I can either experience this again or I can experience it for the first time because I think that um, is something that I know that we as children didn't have perspective on is the fact that like people got into you know both curl up and die you know and taken like retroactively where they're like oh they found the record a couple years after we stopped playing shows and like I know I mean just in the way that you wish you could have because did you ever see Endeavor when they were around or no. I don't think Dude, I wish. that's what I thought, but like in the same way that you wish you could have seen endeavor when they were playing. Um, and yeah. it's like, you don't, you don't think about that until it gets like confronted to you. And it's like, Oh yeah. Someone who really liked the thing that I did has a chance to touch it now. Yeah. I don't, I'm curious about that when we play the show and start doing more shows and writing, like how, how it'll be perceived, uh, like age group wise, if there will be more young kids at the show, or it's, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of people around my age that were into the band and had seen us before. But I wonder how many new people that hadn't seen us that are thinking of it that way that missed a chance to see us live that want to catch it now they have a chance. Or if it's just younger people that are just going to check it out because they listen to the record because they saw the announcement or, or whatever, right? Like re explore it through other like bands that are started in the same genre yeah that sort of thing i think Uh, i think for the first the first burst of energy is always the people who it's like just the cusp uh you're gonna have people who are who saw you before and like are just stoked to hang out and you know have that whole experience again and then it's the cut then there's that 
middle ground of people where it's like they either maybe had just seen you once and are like it, but were too young to really remember. Um, but then I think the more, I guess, kind of not even so active, but the more that you are out there from, you know, whatever, putting out new music and, you know, playing shows here and there, that's when I think the balance kind of switches where the people who just wanted that, you know, dopamine hit of like, Oh, remember how much fun it was to hang out with, you know, Mike at the shows. And then, you know, they're going to go once or twice and then that's kind of it as opposed to, um, not like it's going to switch drastically and like, Oh my gosh, now it's a, you know, 90% young people who've never heard of us before or whatever, but you start to peel that away. Yeah. I hope so. I always like just like moving forward and doing the next steps to your earlier point about not being able to see endeavor. You made me realize the best compliment someone can have towards our band yep. is if they feel the way about Curl Bandai that I feel about Endeavor, that that would make me feel great. Right. Yeah. And I would just leave it at that. Be like, all right, cool. Yeah, great, Thank man. You. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I think, I don't know if it's with age that this kind of comes from, but like when you have that effect, like your art, whatever it is you put out there, when you have that effect on people, the scenario of what you're just talking about, it's almost like, especially too, when, you know, you aren't, uh, experiencing that feedback on like a regular basis where it's like, you know, okay, it's your job to be, you know, famous person in band or famous comic book artist or whatever. And like, you get that feedback every day, but then when you get it, when you do the you know when you play a show and like of course people are going to come up to you and be like oh my gosh like this is so meaningful and like the, you know very genuine about it in many respects you kind of like you, you soak it in but you're kind of like deflecting you're kind of like no like that's cool just thank you like thank you for being here like you're like almost like i don't even care about your feelings like i'm just glad you're here you know yeah like i don't i mean you know me really well but I don't, I'll thank God I've never been in a big band. I don't, I don't know if I would do that well Sure. with that sort of feeling. I would just avoid it more, I think. But while I, I do appreciate it and I do enjoy that, and I actually do inter, like interacting with people at shows. I'm so uncomfortable um, at that part. Like I feel so uncomfortable. Uh, the, the, I always like, so if I go to attend a show or even if like I'm playing this show, but I haven't played yet, I'm so nervous the entire time, especially like I always joke that I'm more nervous attending a show and feel like there are more eyes on me than, than when I'm performing in front of the people. It makes no sense, sure, but it's just how my like nerves are, how, how it just feels. Uh, like the playing is the point and the easy part the interacting wall is like it's cool uh i don't know i get overwhelmed pretty quickly (laughs) (laughs) sure sure the i mean you see me there's a million times we've been standing and there's like people that come up and they say nice things and i will turn it into some conversation about comic books or something else so fast so i can start move right past this I like take the con. It's probably rude. These people probably hate me. They're talking to me because I just like they say a nice thing and I turn it into a thing where I can just talk about like how cool the Incredible Hulk is for twenty minutes and I go thanks. It's nice meeting you and then run away. <laughs> then move along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the jerk well, move. 
Uh, well, I mean, well, I think it's, I mean, it, it's not a jerk move. I think it's just, you know, maybe it's inherently selfish because you are just trying to make a uncomfortable situation comfortable for yourself, even though that person who's experiencing that outpouring of emotion, whatever it may be, whether it's talking about a specific song or being like your band is so meaningful to me, you just immediately want to uh, kind of you know, diffuse that. Cause you're like, no, nah, like whatever, like that, that's fine. But like, let's talk like humans to humans, as opposed to you're looking at me like I'm some, you know, weird father figure or, you know, godlike thing or whatever, you know, how, whatever people look, look to others for inspiration for or whatever. Yeah. Like even, or, I mean, I know early on, like when I would meet, I was like meeting people that I liked, I embarrassed the shit out of myself cause I was so excited and probably, bothered the person or at least I think I bothered them more than I did it felt weird like uh like I'm sure like bring up and never again the first time I met Michael Lander I'm sure I was not cool about it (laughs) was that that was when we played with Burnt by the Sun in Connecticut right no no it was before that oh okay we met it so we played Hellfest uh and Burnt by the Sun's table oh that's right behind ours on the other aisle uh, like the merch area. I remember. And that. I was like, I got to just like say, <laughs> say what's up to him and give him our CD and just tell him that like how stoked I am. Right. So I did it. He was very nice and appreciative, but you know, it's just like, like now when I meet, like there's tons of comic people I'll go meet or interact with like at a show or like convention or just like a local like signing. Uh, and I usually don't want to talk to them about their work unless it comes up. Like, I just want to have like a conversation with them if it, if it happens, right? Like just talking about normal stuff. And that's sort of what I guess I try to do if people talk about Curled and Die or Lissa or anything to me. Like I'll talk about it, but I'm mostly going to like just try to be like if like like me and you are hanging out having lunch, like whatever would come up. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Let's turn this into a conversation. Um, you know, I, I, it's almost like, okay, I, I have received your written report. Um, it's on my desk and thank you for that information, but moving right along, let's, 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 let's move on to something more important. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. In your, um, I guess in your kind of like ideal world, because, you know, I mean, you're obviously going to take it one step at a time, play a show, you know, field other offers that come in and, you know, kind of just pursue the fun stuff as it kind of comes across your table. In your ideal world, would you want to release music like within, you know, a year and then, you know, kind of see where it goes? Like, where does that kind of stack up in your head? Or are you really just like, okay, like we'll just do this and then we'll do the show and then we'll practice afterwards and see what kind of comes of it. No, we have, like, we want to do the first show just to do it, make it like exist more than just in our heads. Uh, like now it's become real. Uh, so there's that show. We do have other plans that like aren't set in stone, but we're exploring like more shows. Uh, it's going to be a part-time thing. Uh, and me and Matt have already like started working out early writing stuff. So that's, we want to write in like, I want to do this reunion show. And then after that, I want to like move forward, like a band that still exists. that's continuing. I don't want to do any more like nostalgia stuff after that. <laughs> Right. Yeah. You want to, you want to make your, uh, 
make your impression and be like, okay, this is where we, this is where we are. Cause I do. Yeah. I mean, I know you and I are, are wired in the same way where it's like when you, you know, put the thing out there, it's like, yes, you want to, you know, have fun and kind of, you know, tread down memory lane lightly, not like completely, you know, lean all over it. But then um, there needs to be a reason for you to continue to play shows and not just be that, band that pops up every few years and then that's kind of like it you want to you know release more music because otherwise it's just like yeah well what are we what are we really doing here besides like you know patting ourselves in the back and being like oh man that was so cool we did that band some bands i think do that and do it well there aren't many and i think there's a like gorilla biscuits is an instance where i'm like that should happen when it does and it's like special and like it just seems nice Right, like it's for them and it's for people that love Gorilla Biscuits. They also have classic songs, you know, like people would think they're classic, like even objectively, even if you don't like Gorilla Biscuits. So when I see them play their shows and do that and reunite every once in a while, you know, um, like that makes sense and it's special to me. Like Curl and I doing reunion shows every once in a while is not the same thing. <laughs> right, right. And totally. it's something I'm not interested in. Our, which is it's like almost it's like a completely different type of band project you know like it's just completely different but yeah i just i just always like moving forward like i've i've it's been five years that i've had to do like i do interviews like this is no problem talk about new things like i've supposed to, so i've well so i haven't done this interview that's like about the history of coral and die with like a Vegas thing, I just always put it off. I feel like a terrible person, but it's just cause I can't, like, I just don't want to go through talking about the past without anything going forward. Sure. Yeah. You want to have, uh, right. You want to have a re like, you don't want to sit there and do this sort of retrospective when it's like, okay, so now here's the, the period, like this is what everybody's doing now. And that's kind of it. It's like, yeah, you want to have a, you know, yes. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's probably a little bit of a problem, but I don't know. It's the only way I know how to operate. Uh, I also was trying to following the, I call it the Chris Callahan template where, you know, he's sort of doing like, he's always doing at least one band, but usually like at least a couple projects and they're all sort of part-time, you know, while he does his regular job as an, as a older hardcore guy, you know, like, yeah, it's a good template. Do, yeah. Just like, all right, I'll work on less art. And then I'll work on Curl and I, and then maybe like this other thing will pop up and you kind of just, and then they all kind of like, like if one gets a little, a little harder, you can just like, you have the other one to jump to and you can juggle it sort of that way. And they help you like balance ideas, uh, that you're doing off of each other instead of just being forced to go one route. Sure. Totally. In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade, is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown, there's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. 
And we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors, Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I mean, I think, too, it's like when you get to be in a band where you know i mean you know this just as much as i do when a band is on like their second or third record and all they have done in between those records is like tour they're you're only going to write about that experience like it's like that's why every band releases the tour record or whatever and i i do find that so um it just sucks because it, it, it there's only so many ways that you can describe what it's like to live a life on the road and like having like you said having this sort of balance of perspectives of like okay yes like you know yeah of course i work a job like you know <laughs> you think i'm living off of hardcore or whatever like and of course like yeah i have like the, you know these trends in this home life and of course i have all these things that can kind of influence one another rather than just be this like singularly focused uh person that is only writing about the experiences that are like literally right in front of them. And there's only one experience, you know? Yeah. And maybe, maybe people learn this sooner than I did, but I'm starting to appreciate, or maybe it comes with being a little older is I'm, I, I don't feel invincible anymore, but I feel more confident, like less, a little less afraid to try and do things that I'm terrified of, which is still music bands performance writing like all that stuff that i enjoy so now it's it's like a fun way to do that and explore it like there's like well what else is there uh that's what this life is gonna be like there's only this much you start to realize you're not immortal you know like when when i was 20 i was like i can just get destroyed it doesn't matter i'm terrified i'm gonna be around for like, like the highlander as long as no one chops off my head i'm good now I'm like, dude, I'm kind of like, I'm probably going to go bald pretty soon. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I got like this stuff I got to work out before I die. And that like, it's a nice compliment to being young where you're, I, I mean, I still feel young, like, but, uh, I know that like stuff is limited, so I can't be afraid to not do it and just wait to do it later. So it's fun to like, that's why I try to, try to do more than just one band and also all my other interests I try to do, you know, yeah. so just doing like one at a time, then I'll like rotate after I finish the other one. It's like, you know, you're never going to really finish. At least that's how I feel about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. There's a, there's a sense of urgency, um, that happens when you do through just like, Oh yeah. Like I guess, yeah. Like if I am to, you know, live to the median age of whatever, I think it's like 84, 85 where you're like, Oh yeah. Like, uh, 25% of this thing is through like, and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there are, I guess like, yeah, to, to, to explain it maybe better, uh, what I'm saying is sort of like when I was younger and I was first working on curl up and die songs, I remember feeling like once, if we got a record done or if we like, we put a record out or if we played this show, like it would, it would complete me, like it'd be completed. And like, realizing that is not the case like even with less art like i was like oh, i'm so hyped that i get to do this again i feel better about this recording and what i've put on it than anything else i've done in the past uh and then the second we're done i was just like oh can't listen to that i can't do this anymore it's not that i can't listen to it but it's just that i'm ready 
I just, I guess I like the process of it. So it never feels finished that it's just like, all right, you finish that stage next stage. And then now you're older. You're like, Oh, I only have so many stages left. <laughs> yeah. This, this, or, you know, there's a, like a, a limited amount. You know, sure. Like, yeah. The state, the stages don't uh, renew like they're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a, this is not a resource I can continually tap into. I'm not going to be the Simpsons. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> exactly i'm like i couldn't think of a show that got canceled like after a pilot episode right yeah as an example yeah exactly like that one show that got canceled after one episode yeah um the you know as like you know once you were were putting this together and where you had you know keel the drummer who was obviously not jesse who was in the in the original iteration of the band um you know was it uh was it, I guess, was it a difficult conversation with Jesse where it was like, cause you know, you do exist in this world. Like, I mean, the same way that, you know, taken exists with Nick, our bassist, like he plays in circus survive. Clearly circus survive is way more important than anything taken does. So like, we're never going to demand that he shows up for a taken show, but at the same time, he's never going to, uh, eliminate the opportunity for us to like play a show, you know? Um, like he, you know, he unfortunately is not going to play the show with you guys. Um, but that, you know, he's not going to be like, Oh yeah, of course you can't have fun with your friends, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, having, I'm sure having that conversation with, with Jesse, was it, uh, you know, was it, was it tough for you guys to kind of like work through that or was it, you know, pretty, um, I, I wouldn't say easy, but was it, uh, you know, once you were able to kind of communicate about it, uh, clearly you came to a good spot. There well until like very, very recently, there's no there was no conversation that occurred. It was mostly Matt ask, reaching out to Jesse to see if he was interested and would be into it and never getting a response. Ever. Like multiple times over years. Uh and then so we were like, Well, I guess if he's not gonna answer, we'll try to find uh, a different drummer. It's gonna be harder. It's gonna be hard to do, but you know, we want to do it right. We didn't want to get someone that wasn't good either. That was just like adequate. Sure. Cause that would, the, yeah, I just, it's wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right. Uh, and then Keel was always like sort of in our mind. He, like he, he grew up in Vegas. Like we're all really good friends with him. He's was in, we, at the same time we're in Cromadai. He was in the weirding way and different other, uh, local Vegas bands were playing together. But he uh, lives in L.A. and does – he had a band Starfuckers. He's the drummer of that band. Yep. And that's his gig, like his main gig, same way as Nick, the Circa sort of thing. And him and Matt would, like, jam every once in a while, and he would, like, know the Chrome Nice songs and playing with them. And then once Matt and I talked, I'm like, let's do this for real. Uh, I was like, let's talk to Keel. I think you'd be down, Woody. And him and Matt, like, figured it out. And like him living in LA was no problem. Like we were just like, he's in Vegas a lot too. So once that whole sort of worked out and we practiced with him, I was like, yeah, we can do this. Let's do it for sure. Yeah. It worked really well. We got along. He's sick. Uh, he brings a lot to the table. It's different, but rad. Like, you know, like it's, Kobanov was so Matt and I focused too. Like Matt wrote guitar parts. I did the vocals, lyrics. So it's cool to like bring him in and we're bringing Royden back in. Sorry. His real name is Ryan. I always forget. Yeah. I'm not allowed to call him Royden. Now adults. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I still, he doesn't care. Yeah. But cause we wanted to be as much of a continuation of the last lineup when we broke up. Sure. And we all get along. And Royden's great. Uh, and plays well and is 
also like a Mario. He never has like ups and downs where you're like, Oh God, I have to have a talk with this guy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, but yeah, like just when Jesse just didn't seem interested at all. And we try to include him, but, uh, yeah, we never got in contact. So we just moved forward without it. Yeah. Totally. We had the right sort of arrangement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like once you felt comfortable enough to be able to, you know, step forward confidently, it's like, well, yeah, every opportunity has been given for a person to, you know, contribute or be a part of this. But yeah, it comes to a point where, all right, well, like, yeah, everybody wants to do this and uh, we got all the pieces together. So we're going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and the, uh, the last sort of, I guess, concept and idea that I want to hit on was, um, you know, the, the, the idea that this, um, you know, will now be a, a part of your life in a way that, um, you know, you, you're, you're not going to know where it's going to go and you not, you're, you're not going to uh, be able to calculate a lot of the ways that people are going to feel about, you know, your new music. And there's, there's a lot of uncertainty that comes with this, um, and, and not pressure, but like uncertainty where it's like, okay, if we release a new song, like people could just be like, yo, this sucks. And it's like, well, okay, that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way of feeling about it. Um, are you, I guess, nervous about any aspect of that? Or is it just something that you, uh, you don't even focus on because you can't think about what those next steps may be? Uh, I, I mean, I don't want anyone to think it sucks. I will definitely like, there's a possibility that people won't like it as much as they like older stuff. I think we're all better, but you don't know what the like alchemy is going to produce when we, when we write and make new songs, how it'll come out. Uh, I don't worry about it too much externally because I don't like I've heard the worst stuff you can hear about like someone sucking. Like I, I couldn't even pronounce words when I was screaming at first. <laughs> like it's pretty bad. Like you can right. do find me as much as you want. It won't affect me early when I was like 18. It would, uh, the thing that, that internally as I work on stuff, is how I'm going to like, is how I'm going to judge it. Like if we put out a song and someone likes it, but I don't, you might not know, but that's the thing that's going to bug me is if I'm not happy with it, rather than someone else's. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but the, I mean, I don't like with the way me and Matt were talking, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty hyped on it. I, I will give my, instead of being so negative on myself, I will say a positive thing about curl and die, especially our last record is it's not lost a time. Like sometimes when you revisit, uh, old bands is like material. There are like certain bands that you're like, well, this is only from, uh, 2001 orange County. And totally. it does not, you know, like it just doesn't translate. It's of that time. And does not like, I think our last record still would sound current today. Like I, 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 I'm proud of that record. Sure. Yeah, uh, no, no, that's a, re- that's a really, really good point. Cause I think that uh, you know, the, when you are going to put stuff out there and you are going to like, you know, view it as you are viewing it, like the continuation of the thing, you know, you like, you're, you're kind of, you're picking up where it left off, especially from a musical perspective where you're just like, okay, yes, like we're playing these old songs, but like, you know, we're going to, write differently than we did when we were, you know, 23 or 24 years old. And it will be, 
you know, hopefully better, uh, at least in your eyes, better than what you previously did. But it would be a different story if like the last thing that you released you didn't feel confident. Like you're like, Oh man, that, that last thing was terrible. You know, like we made a a big mistake or whatever, but yeah, it it is, it feels like it's easier to kind of step back into it when you're like, yeah, man, that thing could have come out like last year and people still would have identified with it in some capacity in some way, shape or form. Um, and feel like it's not this very, very focused, like uh, of a time of a place thing, even though it is of a time and a place, it can still be, you know, I don't want to use the words contemporary, but you know, of, of this ilk. Yeah. I guess I'm fortunate enough to have a personal interpretation of our band's trajectory that I like each record more than the last one. Like it could easily be the opposite. That's a lot of people's circumstances where they're like, Oh, our first record was good. And we just couldn't catch that again. So, and I'm also into that process. Like I'm into the process of even if something, I like the idea of a record failing and sucking, but me working out a thing that makes the next record good. It's it's not good in the moment. You don't want to do that. But, uh, you know, at this point as just doing this when I can do it and want to, uh, I'm not too worried about like the success or failure of, of a musical endeavor. Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah, there's there's no uh, dependency on it from a like nuts and bolts perspective. It's just like, dude, this is just a band that exists now. And if we can play some shows, cool. If we can go some places, cool. But you know, if it if it doesn't achieve the same thing that it did when we were around, then that's fine. Like, what what does that matter to anybody besides like me? I'm proud of the output or whatever. Yeah, like it could be a, like like the it could have like a. a a Metacritic score, like for, you know, like what a pitchfork score, if it even gets scored there, you know what I mean? Like a low score, but I felt like I was able to express and uncover some new stuff and Matt was able to like find like the music came together and we were able to like create a thing I was proud of that maybe people didn't like, I would still not care that much right? about what people thought. Yeah. Cause it's not going to change my life. No, it's not. Yeah. The thing, making the thing is what probably would change my life. no that's a beautiful way of looking at it and it's true it's very true like that the what you put out there can change your life can change other people's lives but not putting something out there like you know it's just it's null it's nothing it's zero it's less than zero it's nothing so yeah well i I for one michael am very excited that this all came together i'm excited that uh, we get to have fun again on stage and feel like we're you know 22 years old again yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm excited you guys are able to play the show. Hell yeah, man. I would have And I'm pumped to play Seizures and yep. Regional Justice Center. I was like so hyped that they're they're doing the show. Yeah, Seizures, I've joked around with Cam before the singer that uh basically they're like the uh the old guy reunion band like from a younger <laughs> perspective like it's like any band that has played a show in Orange County that's been like hey, we need like a younger band. How about Seizures? They're around, right? <laughs> And it's, it's, I was like, dude, you occupy the perfect space because you are a fan of all these bands and you're stoked to do the show. And it's like, I'm like, man, you're coming up. Like, I can, I wish that, you know, our bands live in that era of like, you know, oh man, Dead Guy's back. Like, how about Curl Up and Die playing? It's like, oh, oh, oh my God. Sure. Of course we will. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my. I, I don't like to bring it back to Endeavor. Like, if Endeavor did shows, especially on the west coast i'd be like please can we go i would like try 
really hard. Yeah. <laughs> get on those shows, like those socials. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, I will, I will move heaven and earth to try to make these things happen. Yeah. But I think it's hard to say. Like, I remember, uh, like when I owned a, owned a Hyundai a long time ago, I was like, I can make a an an old, uh, I can achieve a goal of being the most popular person that owns a Hyundai just because no one pop, like famous owned a Hyundai. So I could kind of squeak in there as being like someone in like a sub, like, yeah. you know, just like a dude in a ran, <laughs> random band. It's like, totally. You're like, dude, I'm rolling that. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah rolling. But then LeBron James, like did ruin that dream with me was being a Hyundai man. But I think like, so it's hard for me to say I could be, I'm the number one, uh, like PJ Harvey fan, probably not true, but I'm I confidently can say I'm probably the number one Endeavor fan. No, that's true. That is a corner that you can stake out and be like, yeah, I'm confident. Like you can beat back people and being like, no, 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 man. Like I've been, you know, I've been riding this train for, for quite some time. Like, yeah, I, I would safely give you that crown. And I would, I, I can't think of anybody that would like even come close to challenging that in some capacity. So yeah, you win, dude. Yeah, I, th- I bet I like. Oh, uh, it doesn't matter, but yeah, I am the number one fan. I'm not gonna get too nerdy. <laughs> no, I love it. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Mike, for coming on to discuss the band stuff, and uh, hopefully that you know gave, gives you a nice perspective on why bands come back and why bands play shows. Cause you know, there's a lot of vocal critics out there who are just like, why is this band, this band doesn't need to play shows anymore. And it's just like, first of all, who are you? Like a random internet dweller, like <laughs> your opinion, while it may be relevant to you is, uh, you know, not really relevant to the reasons that, uh, you know, people are going to have fun playing some shows together and, you know, just, just enjoying their, their company with one another. So, can't wait to play that show in June. And like I said, if you don't have tickets, please hop on that. You just go to allages.com and you can find the tickets very easily that way. You also, uh, yeah, I, next week is such a fun show with Arun Bali from Saves the Day. He is the guitarist of the band and we had such a good chat. It was, uh, it was a while ago now. I've had this in the can for a bit, but uh, I was just listening to it recently as I was kind of getting ready to edit it. And it was a uh, it was awesome. Like I felt, I did not know him at all. And then by the time that the the interview was over, I was like, wow, I think this dude's like one of my, one of my new best friends. <laughs> so there we go. You will have that same reaction, but that's what we got next week. I got to thank our beautiful sponsor, Sirius XM commercial free music plus sports talk, comedy and news. They have it all. So get your first three months of Sirius XM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com slash words to see offer details and to subscribe. That's Sirius S I R I U S XM.com slash words. The offer is available to new Sirius XM streaming subscribers. Sirius XM, no car required. Musician is here for you to learn the best way to practice and master an instrument. It listens as you play and gives feedback on your accuracy and timing. And it is so much easier than a music tutor. Become the musician you've always wanted to be. Visit musician.com slash words to try musician with a 20% discount using the code words. I love them. And so should you. Now that's, that's it. Goodbye. And until then, please be safe, everybody.
Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts.